The Leach Report Radio Network is on the air with the voice of the Wildcats, Tom Leach. This is where the Big Blue Nation comes for the latest news and views on the Cats. Interact with the show now by tweeting at Leach Report or email leachreport at gmail.com. Call us at 877-904-1080. Now, the voice of your Wildcats, Tom Leach. And once again, Dick Gabriel sitting in for The Voice as Tom is enjoying some time off. And I think Tom actually tweeted at Billy Rutledge, who works with me on the Big Blue Insider uh, here in Lexington Monday through Friday, would be hosting. Billy is actually getting it done uh, with jury duty. So his, the case he's working, if that's the correct term, considering, uh, was held over for another day. So uh, glad to fill in once again for Mr. Leach and for Mr. Rutledge and kind of turning things around because he often fills in for me on uh, the Big Blue Insider. So, uh, again, glad to have you along. It is such a gorgeous day here in the bluegrass, and uh, I'm still in something of a bubble in that I do my show out of my house, more accurately my garage, and as Tom does his out of his little studio office, I don't I don't quite have the same setup as Mr. Leach, but um, I do have the garage door open. So it is a wonderful day in the bluegrass, and uh, happy to be here with you. Coming up today on the show is uh, Tom's partner on the UK Basketball uh, Radio Network, Mr. Mike Pratt. The coach will join us coming up here shortly. Justin Rowland is uh, going to join us as well from Cats Illustrated and the Rivals Network. So uh, we'll be glad to chat with those young men as well. I wanted to get to a couple of things involving the Wildcats. UK News of the Day presented by Kentucky Bear Cheese. And you will see these stories on the Bud Light Leach Report page at TomLeachKY.com. Well, there are six, count them, six NBA coaching jobs open right now, and probably the most surprising job that popped open, maybe even more surprising, uh, although you got to go some, than the Celtics job with Brad Stevens moving up to the front office, uh, is the New Orleans job. The Pelicans job is open. They fired Stan Van Gundy after one season on the calendar that's eight months. Uh, I've not yet, I'm sure it's out there, but I've not yet found a a story that explains why but i do know that he turned in basically the same record as his predecessor and again did not i think won one more game and did not make the playoffs so the gm down there clearly is results oriented and uh, believes that uh, new orleans was plenty good enough to make the playoffs uh i did not follow new orleans much this year uh you know once anthony davis left i'm like meh you know so uh but not making the playoffs especially in a market like that makes things a lot tougher so uh they're looking for a new coach as well that of course gives rise to the john calipari rumors and uh somebody on yahoo tweeted that someone told him that john calipari would not be opposed to going back to the NBA. Uh, Okay, fine. Social media is fun, but this is where I quarrel with my colleagues, my peers, 
when it comes to just tossing out a rumor like that unsubstantiated. And, and I know it sounds like I'm being terribly parochial. Uh, if John Calipari wants to go to the NBA, that's that, that's fine. There are a few years back, it wouldn't have surprised me at all. Because I've always wondered, did Calipari, like Rick Pitino, look at the NBA like unfinished business? That's the one area, the one level, the one team, New Jersey, where he failed. He did not get the job done and was fired. And he's talked about that on more than one occasion. Uh, and it helped mold him. It helped shape him. You know, failure, and he comes, he writes, and wrote a book about bouncing back and, and of course, lands at Memphis and uh, just misses by a heartbreak uh, a national title. Wins one at Kentucky. Uh, should have won two or three more, but still, he is John Calipari. He has built his life for himself. And now, uh, any time it seems, I, and I'm, I'm, I'm not sure I understand why, because, again, John Calipari did not succeed in the NBA. Now, ultimately, neither did Rick Pitino with the Celtics. What people forget is that Rick Pitino succeeded beyond expectations with the New York Knicks. He put them back on the map, made them relevant again, had the garden full, rocking, rolling uh, playoffs, won the division his second year, just didn't get along with the GM. And you know what happens next, and he, then he goes back to the league in Boston and, and is too impetuous and was given too much power and kept tinkering with his roster and screwed it all up, uh, but has enough money to never have to worry about money again, you know, thanks to that fat Celtics contract. A different path for Calipari, but um, he tweeted yesterday afternoon, yesterday evening, quoting now, it's that time of the year. Why do rumors always start when we're in the middle of recruiting? I have the best job in the country with the best opportunity to impact young people and add value to their careers. That hasn't changed. This season can't come fast enough. Let's go. So take that for what it's worth. Uh, Pretty sure he's going to be here this season. And, you know, if somebody steps in and offers him stupid money, offers him stupid money and stupid power, stupid being probably too much to offer and stupid for him to turn down. Don't see it happening. So there you have it. All right, when we come back, we will chat with Mike Pratt, who does have knowledge and inside info when it comes to the NBA. We'll talk to the color analyst of the UK Network next here on the Leach Report. You're tuned to Talk Radio 1080 and the Leach Report. And visit TomLeachKY.com for more news and views on the Cats. Dick Abril in for The Voice this morning, and we are proud to welcome to these airwaves. You hear him each week with Tom, Tom's broadcast partner on the UK Basketball Network. Coach Mike Pratt, how are you doing, sir? I'm doing good, Gabe. Uh, it's bright, sunny. Looks like it's going to be a beautiful Thursday. It absolutely is. It almost feels like football weather. We will get to that in a moment or so, But because uh, Mike Pratt loves him from U.K. football. Uh, but, uh, of course, Coach, this time of the year, NBA teams are making changes. It's, uh, I thought, kind of surprising there are so many jobs open. And a real shocker that New Orleans dumped its head coach. So just like the Swallows returning to Capistrano, the rumors returned to Lexington about John Calipari. Do you think that's always going to happen no matter how long John is here? Uh, And, you know, it's not that he's too old, but it just seems like that chapter of his life is closed. 
You know, Gabe, I, I haven't had a conversation with Calipari about that in quite a few years. I just know what I read and what his friends say. and uh, I, I never thought that he had any intention to go back and coach in the NBA. I could be wrong. Now, if somebody would say you could be president or yeah. general manager at some point in time, I think that might be attractive to him. Uh, but in, in he is attractive. I don't put much credence in uh, the Yahoo thing. They they seem to always bring this up every time, every spring. It's Yahoo Sports, you know, some uh, unidentified source. But I will tell you, I've talked to some NBA people, and they, they think Cal is very attractive at that uh, GM position or president's position sometime because of the players he has in the NBA, the players he knows who are playing in the NBA. And we we've all pretty much gathered that it's hard it's hard to build a championship team on drafting only. You better be very um, astute and well liked to attract uh, free agents to your team. So, and that also means you've got to be in the right state yeah. uh, state in this country to be attractive to guys. So, um, no, I don't. But I, you know, it's kind of funny. Gabe, does people ask this question, does it hurt Kentucky's recruiting or does it help their recruiting? Uh, there's two sides to that coin. Um, it'll be interesting what uh, shakes out. I, I don't think it's hurt his recruiting at all in the past. It probably makes him uh, a little bit more attractive to these yeah. high school kids. And he can say, hey, they still want me up there. I can get you to the NBA. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. It, it it makes him seem more relevant uh, with regard to the colleges and the league, which, you know, is where everybody wants to be, and he's still connected. So, yeah, why not? And You know, the other thing, Mike, is the, the more I watch Calipari, I, I could see Rick Patino being more of an NBA guy, but, you know, he just seemed like he was a, a lot more businesslike and ruthless and all that. I just think Calipari, so not that not that Patino doesn't enjoy working with young people, but it just seems like Calipari, maybe it's because he's always talking about these kids and helping, uh, you know, is more suited for the college game. You know, I mean, from what I heard when he was up in the league, uh, he was more of a college-style coach and it didn't go over very well. Yeah, that was uh, that seems to be the rap. Uh, although he did take a team to the playoffs, he did. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know. Coaches have a tendency; uh, they don't give up their core values, right? But they adjust. Um, they they really adjust their uh, uh, the way they go about their business uh, when they move from job to job or from league to league. And the, and the good ones are able to do that. It's kind of like adjusting your offense to the players you have. You don't mess with your core values, but you, you can adjust uh, your your style and your approach to the game. So I wouldn't uh, I wouldn't write uh, him off as going to the NBA someday, but not as a coach. No, I agree with you. I think you'd want to build a team, as you said. Speaking of the NBA, some good news from the league that two former Wildcats, well, one is kind of in limbo, Brandon Boston and Isaiah Jackson among the 69 selected to attend the Combine. I think we all expected that with Isaiah, but, Mike, did you expect Brandon Boston to get an invite? That's a big step for him. I did. I did expect him, Gabe, because uh, he he really – 
was one of those question mark guys, big question mark guy coming out of college. And a lot of it had to do, I, I think, scouts didn't get a good feel for him is what I'm hearing, uh, on and off the floor. And I think this is a uh, great opportunity for that young fella because a lot has been, uh, been said, written about him, and um, talked about him uh, among uh, the NBA people. They, they want to see who the real yeah. uh, B.J. Boston is, yeah. and they're going to have a chance. Yeah. Well, that makes sense, and they'll get an absolute opportunity up in Chicago. And, of course, the draft comes up July 29th. Uh, word is still out on Davion Mintz, as we all know, but he's left that door open as well. He has until July 7th. Uh, and so did Jackson, which is 10 days after the combine to withdraw. Mike Pratt is with us. We'll have more with the radio analyst for the UK Basketball Network and the UK All-American coming up on the Leach Report. Look for the Leach Report on Facebook. Show updates, contests, and other cool stuff. Check it out today. Dick Aberlin for the voice of the Wildcats, Tom Leach, taking a few more days off, as we mentioned, so we're proud to come for you from the Clark's Pump and Shop Studio. We're chatting with Mike Pratt, Tom's broadcast partner on the U.K. Basketball Network. Before we get back to the Wildcats, uh, Coach, I wondered, uh, I mean, you know everybody, you've been everywhere and seen everything, but I wondered uh, how well, if at all, you knew Jim Phelan, who uh, died a couple of days ago at the age of 92, legendary coach at Mount St. Mary's, coached them to a D2 national title before they moved up to D1. As far as I can tell, Kentucky's only played Mount St. Mary's once, and I think he had already retired. But did you have any – did your did your pass ever cross? No, uh, but I knew of him, and I knew some other East Coast guys when I was at Charlotte and that were really good guys and, and knew him, so – yeah, he was a legend in, in college coaching, at, uh, particularly at the D2 level. So, no, I didn't have the pleasure of meeting Coach Phelan. Knew of him. Yeah. Uh, just a, a legendary figure and, and much beloved yep. and, and known as much as anything for his bow ties as well as winning more than 800 games. So, uh, yeah, so, uh, so he will be missed. Uh, again, talking about the basketball Wildcats. And right now we're talking to uh, to Kellen Grady. Is it Kellen or is it Keelan? Does he say it Keelan? Uh, Grady, um, the Kellen, I believe. Yeah, that's what I thought. I've heard some people call him Keelan, uh, but it's a transfer from Davidson. And Mike, he talked about his role. He mentioned leadership, but he also just talked about, look, I, I you know, I score the basketball. I'm an aggressive offensive player, but he also talks about trying to maintain some balance. You know, doing it within the flow of the offense, and and you know, being a good teammate. My words, but you know, I asked him about how do you do that? How do you be as aggressive as you need to be offensively, but balance it out with your teammates. He said it's tough sometimes. Uh, through your eyes as, as a former player, as a coach, how difficult is that? Well, first of all, let me address this. It doesn't surprise me that uh, he would talk that way and say those things because Bob McKillop, the guy that, that, that he played for, Bob is a terrific coach. He was a terrific high school coach. He's been very special at Davidson. And, and he has culture. He has he plays where everybody has to understand the offense. You have to understand um, where you can score, where you can't score. So those comments do not surprise me from this young fella. And I think it's this, uh, and this is something that some guys that play never grasp. You have to know who you are. You have to know where you can score, how you can score. 
the next step, and it might be one in one A game, is you have to know your your teammates. Yeah, you got to know where they can score, uh, where they need the ball, and you you have to plug that into your thinking. And and then as uh, your coaches give you a scouting report, you got to say, man, this is this is where I can score. This is where I need to score. Um, this is where my teammates score against anybody. I mean, it, it's a it's a complete uh, understanding of what your team's trying to do and what you're trying to do. And, and Bob McKellop is uh, terrific uh, in uh, in coaching that way and teaching his players, creating that culture, whatever you want to call it. So it doesn't surprise me at all. But it, it's all about the understanding of yourself and your teammates individually and collectively. I love that answer, and I loved what uh, Grady was saying. And, and he just – he was a great, great interview, which doesn't surprise me. I've read some interviews with him before, but, you know, the maturity just kind of oozed out of him, and I th- he's going to be a great get. If he doesn't average 15 a game, that's fine. I think I think it's a great pickup for Calipari and, and for his program. I, cannot, I always talk too much with you about basketball, and I let things get away because I love talking football with you, Mike. But uh, tell me a little bit, as, as an observer, as a radio host yourself, how you're looking at this upcoming football season, given the fact that, that whoever starts at quarterback will have never started for Kentucky before. And it, even if it's one of the other guys, uh, has played very little. Even the Penn State kid has played just a little bit. Well, I, I'm really excited about the, the, the football. And, and Dan Issel and I talked about it on our show. And we're, we're really excited about the possibility and you talk about a quarterback who had never, who had never started a game. Well, there's been a whole lot of terrific quarterbacks mm-hmm. that had to have their first game. Maybe some struggled, maybe some are really good, or they struggled the rest of their first year because it's their first year that it's a learning experience. Again, some come through stronger than others. So I, I know it's a critical position. I, I, I get it. Um, but I, I'm anxious to see. How these coaches, football coaches, have coached these young fellows up. Uh, Bo Allen's been there a year. The other kid's been there a year. Yeah. And then, of course, the Penn State guys uh, just coming in. But I think it'll show you uh, uh, a couple things. One, who's got certain talents? But two, uh, who's made the most progress? And when they make progress, they don't pick it up in a in a jar someplace, okay? <laughs> they make progress because they bought into what the coaches yeah. are selling, yeah. and the coaches just polished them, okay? Yeah. Sounds good to me. Coach, always a pleasure. Next time, we'll talk even more football. That's a promise. Okay, buddy. Take care. Have a good one. That's Mike Pratt from the UK Radio Network. Back with Justin Rowland on the Leach Report. This is where the Big Blue Nation gathers. It's Talk Radio 1080 and the Leach Report, followed by Kentucky Sports Radio. Dick Aberlin for the voice of the Wildcats, Tom Leach, from the Target Pumpkin Shop studio. And we welcome to these airwaves, as Tom does every week, Justin Rowland, Cats Illustrated, which, by the way, here's a shameless plug, is offering a free trial until August 10th, of this summer, just go to Cats Illustrated's uh, homepage at Kentucky.Rivals.com, and the promo code is right there at the top, and you, you, you couldn't ask for a better opportunity to try out this great product. Cats Illustrated at Kentucky.Rivals.com. We welcome Mr. Rowland. How are you doing this morning, sir? 
Good to speak with you again, Dick. How yeah, are you? Uh, Justin was on my show earlier this week. Uh, and some, some different things to chat about. First of all, Mike Pratt just finished up talking with us about the annual rumor about John Calipari going back to the NBA. Uh, you know, people might think it has more legs this summer because there are six jobs open and naturally Yahoo tweeted that, yeah, he might be interested. Um, and not to dismiss what they, what they hear and what they report, but, uh, Mike brought up the notion that it's sort of debatable, good for re- Kentucky recruiting or damaging to Kentucky recruiting. That is your stock and trade, Justin. What do you say about these rumors? Yeah, I mean, I don't think it really hurts their recruiting. How long have we heard of these rumors and how, yeah. how much recruiting success has Calipari had You know, in the midst of it? I, the timing of it feels weird because the program has had so much turnover and there's this sense that he's re-energized and he's going to build something anew or rebuild, you know, something similar to what, you know, he, he had a, a few years back. And, you know, for it to come out now is a little bit odd. I'm kind of with Jeff Goodman, who I think said, you know, he probably would have interest in the right job, but there aren't many situations he would leave for. There probably are not a lot of NBA GMs that would, you know, have him at the very top of their list, and he's not going to take a pay cut, and most places would require a pay cut. So I just don't think it's likely, but I, it's always going to be possible. Yeah, that's why I never put much stock in the UCLA rumors, because they couldn't afford him either. And, you know, good for him. I mean, you know, he's, he's worked it up, and uh, and he's got what he wants. Well, speaking of recruiting, uh, if you go to the Cats Illustrated page, you've got a piece about Keaton and Destin Wade. You were at the football uh, gathering over the weekend. Uh, without giving away the store, what can you tell us about the Wades? Really interesting. Um, they were uh, they were being taken around by Vince Morrow, and their their mom was, and uh, two very different players. They're twins, but different players. Destin is a quarterback. He wants a shot at being quarterback, and I was interested to see how he looked throwing for for new offensive coordinator Liam Cohen. And I I came away thinking they're real excited about him. And, and even even more excited than I thought. The ball came out of his hand really well. He's a good athlete, really coachable, seems super coachable. And I like his demeanor. He's a cool guy who just doesn't seem like he gets flustered, not too high or too low. And I think he's going to be a better quarterback option than people thought uh, when he committed. And Keaton, at outside linebacker, is just one of the best defensive prospects in the country. I mean, we got him in the top 250 overall, and he doesn't have any bad weight. He's lean and just built and put together and athletic, and, and Brad White is really really going to enjoy coaching him. <laughs> Sounds like a great possibility for the Wildcats. And they've had twins. They've had brothers before, but they, these sound like uh, two of the more talented they've had. Uh, what else did you take away from the, the football weekend? It was really interesting because they've got several new staff members. You know, John Settle at, at running back and um, – the receivers coach Javon Bonite was back out there, and uh, Frank Buffano had. Uh, he's going to have a bigger voice in that defensive backs room with Steve Klinkscale gone, and Chris Collins, the new defensive backs coach, out there, and, and and Eric Wolford coaching the offensive line. There's there's more transition for the program this year than than most other seasons under Stoops, and I think he's got a really good group of guys, very energetic guys uh, that that meshed well, that vibed well with each other. And they were coaching a lot of uh, line talent. A lot of offensive and defensive linemen from this camp are going to be big-time SEC players. And uh, 
yeah, I thought they did a good job of getting some elite talent to campus. It was a, it was a good event. When it comes to Klingscale leaving, I don't worry so much about the position, even though he was a terrific D-backs coach, and, and you know the kids on NFL rosters will bear that out. Uh, but Mark Stoops, you know that as you well know, that's his specialty. Him being a former defensive back, so I don't think they're going to suffer much, if at all, when it comes to the coaching element. But Klingscale was making, as you well know, some real inroads up in Michigan. How much, as well as other places, how much do you think they'll miss his recruiting prowess? I think I think they'll miss it a lot in Michigan. I don't know how big of a priority Michigan is going to be moving forward. Some people might hear that and be like, oh, no. Well, it's really not necessarily a horrible thing. I mean, the, your map is always changing based yeah. on who's on your staff. And, you know, um, Chris Collins from, from Georgia State has history of recruiting in Georgia. They're going to double down more in Georgia. Anwar Stewart's doing a great job in Georgia. John Summerall's doing a great job in Georgia. I think Georgia and Tennessee, uh, they're going to focus more there. The map is going to move a little bit more south as opposed to Michigan. They're going to they're going to double down on Tennessee though. Clink Scale was doing a great job there and everything I've heard Mark Stoops really wants to put his foot on the throat of, of the Tennessee program right now. He wants to capitalize on their struggles and and kind of get his foot in the door there. So I don't think that emphasis will change with Michigan May, may go by the wayside a little bit. You know, it's funny you said that because just before the Schlarman golf outing, I guess it was last week, um, he said, Stoop said the exact thing. He said, he said, yeah, we're going to miss Clink, but, you know, we're, we're looking at other areas. He did mention Tennessee. But, you know, it's funny, Justin, as you mentioned that, I flashed back to uh, probably about five years ago, and Kentucky had just beaten somebody, and we were waiting to do the Stoops radio show. And, and Mark was watching scores flash across the screen, and the Tennessee score came up. And Mitch Barnhart happened to walk up. You know, of course, Mitch had spent 14 years at Tennessee, and they started talking about how Tennessee had been backing up a little bit and, and was trying – I don't remember who was the coach at the time – and was trying to dig out. And I remember Stoops saying – it was kind of ominous. He said, if we're going to get them, we've got to get them now. And Barnhart looked at him and he said, what do you mean? He said, they're really collecting a lot of good recruits, especially in state. He said, yeah, they're, they're, really, they're really building to come back. And yet, nothing has happened, it seemed like, down there. It's happened more for baseball than football. What, what do you make of that? Any idea why Tennessee is, is struggling to the benefit of Kentucky? I think it's just it's the most mismanaged program in the SEC and wow. one of the most mismanaged programs in, in the country. Wow. Um, it's just, it's an outlier. You know, I, I did a study a few years back. If you look at recruiting rankings and outcomes and results, and Missouri was the program that had overachieved the most. This yeah. was back when Gary Pinkle was yeah. there. And uh, Tennessee was the program that had underachieved the most. They've got, they've always gotten players. But when you're constantly changing head coaches and you're, under the cloud of NCAA sanctions or suspicion sometime now. They're also dealing with that, and you're always changing coordinators, and you've got a AD or you've got a Fulmer who can't take his hands off and, you know, move on. Um, there's just a lot of factors and pressures that, that have really um, taken any continuity away from there, and players don't develop in that situation without a scheme, without a system, without a foundation. And they're just kind of the poster childs for um, what not to do when you're running a program. 
Couldn't sit in any better myself. Justin Rowland is our guest, and we'll have more with the publisher of Cats Illustrated, part of the Rivals Network, when we come back to the Leach Report. This is the Leach Report on Talk Radio 1080. You can interact with the show via Twitter at Leach Report. Now, here's Tom. Dick Amberlin for the voice of the Wildcats. We are talking with Justin Rowland, the publisher of Cats Illustrated and a part of the Rivals Network. And in fact, you can follow him on Twitter if you don't already. Rowland Rivals is his tag. And again, Cats Illustrated with a free trial offer up on its homepage until August 10th of this summer. The promo code is up there as well, so just type in Kentucky.Rivals.com to find out more. Let me shift you over to basketball since it's, of course, 24-7, 365, as you know. And uh, one of the stories up on your page is about uh, J.J. Taylor getting an offer from Kentucky. Uh, how significant is that? Yeah, that one wasn't surprising. Our guy David Sisk uh, wrote about it, you know, they're being very aggressive very early with a lot of these guys. In a lot of these cases, the contact period opening up, they, they reached out to these guys at like 12.01, right after midnight. Yeah. And, you know, one of the, one of the I don't want to say criticisms, one of the questions I think a lot of people had was, had Kentucky gotten to the point where maybe they were waiting a little bit too long to getting involved with kids? And you can understand why they might have felt that way. I mean, for so long, they pretty much just came in whenever they want and took whoever they want. But, you know, things go in ebbs and flows, and I think they're realizing now that they've got to be a little more proactive and aggressive early with these guys, and it sounds like uh, that's what they're doing. Well, the story that broke earlier this week, though, was Reed Shepard getting an offer from yeah. the University of Louisville, uh, and I just heard you chuckle a little bit. That's going to be the opposite really... situation there, yeah. Exactly. That's going to be really interesting to watch that play out. What do you say about that? Well, I mean, I think one thing we know about Calipari is he's <laughs> – He's probably not going to let popular outcry de- determine the move that he makes on it. I think um, I'm not saying he's, he's digging his heels in and kind of dragging his feet, but it's going to be his decision. It's not going to be because the fans are telling him to do it. You know, this this kind of gives the appearance of Chris Mack and these other people forcing Cal's hand. But yeah. you know, this is something that we're going to talk about until this guy is in college, regardless of where he ends up. They're going to question and second guess and scrutinize what Kentucky should do with him, you know, how hard they should pursue him. And I know I'm not going to try to talk people into feeling a certain way because there are a lot of strong feelings about it. Have you seen him play in person or just video? No, no, I haven't seen him play in person. But, yeah, but yeah no, I've heard some really good things. I mean, he's, he's not just a name. He's a legitimate player, big-time scorer, and could probably play at Kentucky's level. Yeah, and, and distributes the basketball as well, which I think is as impressive as anything. Uh, and it was funny because I was there when his dad played a high school game against Henry Clay, and they, they run it out Memorial Coliseum. Uh, and we televised it when I was working at WKYT. And, you know, because of rules, Patino had to stay in his office. He could not come down and watch in person. But once he did, he asked us, the broadcasters, you know, what did we think of him? And we're like, oh, he's every bit as good as advertised, Rick. And then he starts saying this, point guard, nodding his head, point guard. And we we're like, eh, I don't know about that. you know. And, of course, you know, Jeff was a tremendous off guard, but not a point guard. I probably, I, I, Maybe I see his son doing the same thing. But it's positionless basketball, Justin, right? He could, he could do anything. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they could mold him a little bit. You know, I, I understand why people want him at Kentucky. You know, it's sure. a cool thing when legacies are there. 
Yeah. And, you know, if, if you're not, it's a situation where you're not even using all of your scholarships anyways. Mm-hmm. You know, I understand why somebody would feel like, what do you have to lose? But, <laughs> you know, it does come with its own pressures. I mean, this whole Dante Allen situation, like, it was a little bit of a sideshow. Not Dante's fault, but it became a little bit of a sideshow for the whole season. Yep. Just the, 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 the conversation and the kind of tension over it between the fan base and, and frankly, Cal. And, that, that's a lot that he's got to think about, and whether he, he wants to deal with it is a part of it. Here's the name I keep hearing when, and you probably have as well, uh, when it comes to it, why hasn't he offered him yet, and that's Dewan Wagner Jr., who, of course, is the son of the guy who starred for Calipari at Memphis and the grandson, God help me, I, watched, I covered this guy's game in college, uh, Milt Wagner. Uh, the former Louisville star, and I keep hearing that Calipari would really like to coach Dewan Wagner Jr., who essentially plays the same position. Have you heard anything about that? No. I mean, I think for a long time a lot of people have assumed that, you know, if if he goes the college route, then Kentucky's going to have a great shot. Um, but, yeah, I, I'm not exactly sure which way that's going to go. There's a, there's a lot of time, and, you know, he's not going to just have the – the college options he's going to have the, the professional yeah. options where you're making a lot of money right off the bat and that said how do you see the g league playing into you do you see that playing more and more into the recruiting world? yeah i think so i think like with, with some of the, some of this of these opportunities that are sprouting up i was kind of skeptical but it does seem like more and more guys you know there, there are fewer players available because an increasing number are taking that option and you know i think it, it is only going to grow um, and the sport will adjust. The yeah. sport always adjusts. I think college basketball, more than any other sport, we always get a little bit of ahead of of, of ourselves in proclaiming that it's dying. Yeah. You know, if, if anybody that watched the tournament this past year is in a better, healthier situation than I think the worst doomsdayers said that it was. But yeah, I do think more and more people will go that route. Yeah, I agree with you, and uh, I think it's a good thing. Uh, you know, I've always felt like they ought to be able to go. That rule was created just to save owners from themselves. But uh, I agree. Now there are more, like you said, there are more options. You got the minor leagues, you got the overseas route, and college basketball will adjust. Uh, I think uh, I, I honestly believe that the name, image, and likeness ruling may have more an effect of an effect when it comes to recruiting. Do you see it that way? Yeah, yeah. I think that, the, and the real difficulty is. Just the rollout, it seems like it's going to be really chaotic. Yeah. I mean, they're not prepared. There's no uniform practice or standards or guidelines. And, you know, you're, it's so multi-layered, you know, the, the discrepancy between what states are allowing and confusion over what's allowed and, you know, the gray area, you know, even within what some of the states are allowing and, and not being a level playing field. Some schools not being able to offer what conference mates are able to, they're going to have to figure it out quickly. And it's kind of underscoring the lack of leadership. People talked about the need for a czar. You know, Dick Vitale has for a long time, and this is certainly a, an example of where that would come in handy. It would if it's the right person. You know, I'm thinking maybe, right. you know, and then on the other hand, I'm thinking maybe a committee would be better, but committees have a tendency to screw things up as well. But, uh, you know, by the way, I can't believe we talked all this time without talking about Jalen Duran. Uh, the kid from, uh, what is it, Monteverde, Florida, the 6'10", yeah. who might reclassify. What are you hearing about him? And a lot of people think he's going to go the professional route. But, uh. you know, he certainly is like a, a potential for a reclass. And, 
you know, jumping on a roster before the season. I mean, I understand why people are talking about it because of the potential impact, and it would be a huge story. But a lot of people think that he's gonna he's gonna take that money. Uh, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, do you think? Uh, well, that's not fair to ask you that, but uh, it's all about getting the clock started, isn't it? Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. That's that's what I would say. Yeah. And Calipari had said he was done, but if he gets an opportunity to coach this kid, are you kidding me? Anybody? Yeah, yeah. This is there. There, there are always guys that are always going to have a spot. You know that. That's, <laughs> but I think he also understands that 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 is probably not the most likely scenario. But I understand why people are excited. I mean, that would change the, the landscape of the whole sport, oh. not just for Kentucky. But you know, it's interesting. We learned with Ben Simmons and some other guys. Just because a school lands. Well, you know, a kid that everybody wanted. That's no guarantee of success, is it? No, I mean, Zion lost in the Elite Eight. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's a, somebody gets in foul trouble in one game and the other team knocks down a couple of threes with four minutes to go and you're out. I mean, yeah. that's just, yeah, we, we, we put way too much. It does, if you load a team up with those kind of guys or you have a team like Kentucky has and you add him, I think your floor is really high. Yeah. But it doesn't mean anything when it comes to, how, how far beyond the Sweet 16 you're going to go. You're absolutely right. Justin Rowland is the publisher of Cats Illustrated. Great offer happening right now. Go to the homepage at Kentucky.Rivals.com. Thank you, sir, and we will see you down the road. Always enjoy it. Thanks. And we're back to wrap up this edition of the Leach Report. Find out more about the voice of the cats and get great coverage of the Big Blue at TomLeachKY.com. Thanks again to our guests, Justin Rowland and Mike Pratt. And again, the shameless plug, if you go to the homepage for Cats Illustrated, Kentucky.Rivals.com, you will see the promo code and you can sample until August the 10th. And this is a great time to get recruiting news, obviously, so jump on that, if you will. One other note concerning a Kentucky Wildcat, Madison Lilly is a finalist now for an ESPY award. She is one of four, including Jalen Howe of Florida State Soccer, Odichi Alexander, James Madison Softball, and the presumptive favorite, Paige Buchers of UConn Women's Basketball. Madison, of course, part of the championship team. And a tournament most outstanding player, won the Honda Award for Volleyball, uh, the uh, Coaches Association National Player of the Year. What a year she's had. Just to be included in this group is fantastic. Thanks to Shannon the Dude for his help. Thanks to everybody for listening. That's it. So long from the Leach Report. Thanks for listening to the Leach Report. Make sure you check out the podcast.